this morning worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords I think about that blood that washed me clean I think about who I was 
until I came into the realization of a relationship that my heavenly father wanted to have with me and how he took someone that was so dark and in despair and, and messed up and he, and he just washed all that away and he doesn't remember it anymore even though we sometimes start remember those things he doesn't doesn't hold those things against us and we get to start fresh and we get to thank him every time we wake up for another day to serve him and another day to say thank you that I'm not who I used to be I'm so thankful for that so father right now we thank you for the blood we thank you for that blood that was shed for us for every sin every every mistake everything we've messed up in life God that blood was for us to be washed clean, to start new, Father, to be a new creation in you. And I thank you for pulling us, all of us, God, from the darkness. And Father, there may be people in here right now that are in that darkness, they're in that place right now where they don't see any hope, but God, we are here to tell them there is hope found in you. And we praise you for that right now, God. And I pray right now for every heart that's in here, God, that if they not turn to you, they don't have relationship with you, God, that they come to this altar this morning before it's too late. Because you love us. You forgive us and you walk right beside us every day as we fellowship with you. And I thank you for that relationship, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, congregation, for your worship. One of my favorite days of the week to be in here, to be encouraged, to see your smiling faces. Well, most of you smile. <laughs> just, just to get to talk to you, a few of you for a few seconds each morning and say hello. Um, part of what our, small, our grow groups are going to be, small groups, grow groups, are going to be is that relationship building in our church. And that's my number one thing is just for us to grow closer as a church family. Um, and, and through these grow groups that we do that, we get to meet some different people. We get to hang out some, with some people. We get to do life with our group. Um, when I'm facing something, I'm over the cornhole group. You know, we're throwing bags on, we got one coming up a week from Friday. But I'm over that group. We got 22 people in our group. Now, there will be some competition, but I also know within that group, as we talk and do life together, that we're going to share some things with each other. And when I'm hurting or I'm going through things or my wife's going through things, then I'm going to be able to talk to my group about that and get support from them. And that's what I'm, I'm um, anxious to see within our groups as we do life together. We encourage each other uh, and we're there for each other and build relationships within the church. You guys looking forward to that? Some of you may be in here and say, I never even saw a sheet to sign up on. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we're going to have some stuff on the, on the information wall, hopefully within the next week, letting you know kind of who's the leader of each group. Um, and when their groups meet and what they're going to be doing. So if you want to be a part of that, it's not too late. You can get in on the groups. I think some people signed up for three or four. So you're going to be busy uh, each month, those of you that signed up for several. But that's a good thing. Um, can we do something real quick before I get into the message this morning? If we have any teachers, students, school staff, can you guys all just stand up in the crowd today? Come on, you guys. It's the week. It's the week. So we'll give them a hand. Stay standing. But I'd also ask that the rest of you just point your hand in the direction of somebody standing next to you that's standing. Let's pray over this upcoming school year because just like last year, there's a lot of things going on, all right? So let's pray for a great year. Father, we just thank you again for the opportunity to be here, Father. And Lord, as this school year begins, it gets ready to start this week, God. Lord, we thank you for our students. We thank you for the teachers. We thank you for the staff at each one of these schools, Father, that's represented. And God, right now we are just praying for a great school year in you. And Father, we know there's constantly things changing every day, God. There's things changing in the world, but you are the one thing that remains the same. Every time we wake up and we head into school, God, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. You are the same yesterday and today and forever. And Lord, and I pray that we focus on you no matter what comes our way, that we, that we seek you in, in decisions, we seek you in guidance, and Lord, that you would just protect our schools. A hedge of protection around them, Father, every student, every teacher, every staff member, that you would just guide their path, Father, walk with them each day, uh, protect them from everything that's coming. Father, protect their minds, protect their hearts, let them continue to walk in you. And I pray that every single person involved in a school, Father, is a light 
in the darkness inside those schools, Father. They shine that light bright and they don't back down from it. And I just praise you for what you're going to do through this school year and we thank you for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right. Um, I was a teacher for about a little under four years before I came here to Orchardville. Started late in life. I know what it's like, and I can't imagine now what's been going on the last couple of years to be a teacher now, but I appreciate our students, our teachers, the staff, all of you guys, and I know as uh, a congregation of Orchardville Church, you guys will all represent us well, not only in the schools, but online as all, also, <laughs> as we get ready to get in all this. This morning, we are going to start a new sermon series. Um, called Lured, and I said Lured. If you say it Lured, that's fine. Everybody says it different. My wife said, do not say it like Lured, and I said, I am. Lured, don't take the bait, is our sermon. What is going on here? Oh, I see you. He's got a little sign that says a fence hanging off his fishing pole, just dangling that in front of you guys. Oh, my. We're laughing. Some of us are. What's reality? It gets dangled in front of you. I was going to say thank you, but that just sounds weird to say thank you for him to come through here. <laughs> Lure, don't take the bait. Um, there's a lot of bait the enemy's throwing out there right now, and a lot of you are just grabbing a hold of it and running with it. <laughs> don't. Take the bait. And if you didn't see on the sign that he was holding on that fishing pole, it was a fence. A fence. Don't take the bait. Um, and again, we're starting this new sermon series called Lured, and that's the way I'm going to say it. Don't take the bait. And I've been working through a book, and some of you guys have read this book, I'm sure, The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. And it is absolutely phenomenal. It has helped me. Uh, it's opened my eyes, it's opened my mind, it's opened my heart to the, to the bait and traps that the enemy uses through the topic of offense. I'm offended, you're offended, we're all offended, everybody's offended in the world today. Yes or no? Yes. And we like to let it be known that we didn't like something. Um, but a lot of what you're going to hear me talking about over the next four, five, six weeks, however long God wants me to speak on this because it's needed, not only in our world, it's needed in our churches. I'm going to speak on it until he tells me not to. So, and a lot of that's going to be coming based on this book. So you're going to hear some things out of this book. And I want to bring these things out to you in this sermon series. Because everywhere you turn in society today, someone's offended. Their feelings are hurt. Uh, you may be justified in what you're hurting from and what you've went through and what's happened to you. But by us holding on to offense, you're putting yourself out of God's will for your life. You were in a place that God does not want you to be when you were offended and you were carrying that around all the time. That is not what he wants you to do. And it's going to be hard to stay in the will of God while you're living with that in your heart. Um, it affects your relationship with God. It affects your relationship with others. And we are going to encounter offense in our lives. It's up to us how we let that uh, affect our relationship with God. It's up to us how we handle it. Your response to things that offend you will set the direction of your future. It also sets the direction for the people in your home, the people in your church, the people in your family, how you let offense affect you. And if we can handle offense correctly, and it's, it's tough, believe me, I know. I've been humbled and, and put in my place by God a few times over my life, probably more than a few but if we will handle offense correctly, we are going to become stronger in our walk with God instead of letting bitterness set inside of us. Now, and I told you, I'm sure some of you guys, uh, myself, I mean, I can talk about myself, that we've been hurt by people. We've been hurt by things in life. And for some of us, it might have happened yesterday. It might have happened this morning when you walked in this place because the pastor didn't shake your hand. Well, I didn't make it around to everybody. Sorry. But that offends people sometimes. It could have been something from 40 years ago that is still in here, hurting 
and you're bitter about it. Um, my prayer as we begin this series is that you'll come into this with, and, I, and I'm praying this so much because offense is a big deal, hurt's a big deal, but I'm praying that you guys will come into this with open hearts and open minds and you will allow God to do what he needs to do in your life to help, you deliver, help deliver you out of whatever it is you're dealing with. And I, and I pray as we go through this series that things just start to get peeled back in your heart and uncovered and you let those things be healed in Jesus' name. You can't keep walking around with it. You can't keep struggling with it. And, and I pray that we get answers to tough questions like, why am I always compelled to tell my side of the story? How can I fight all the suspicion and distrust that I have? What can I do to stop playing over and over the past hurts I've had in my life? Anybody been there? How can I regain, regain trust after someone deeply offends me, how, after they deeply hurt me? How can I trust again? And I've also prayed that as we work through this, that we can escape this trap that the enemy puts out in front of us as Mr. Tyler walked through here, and we can stay free of it and not let it hinder our relationship with God in any way or hinder Orchardville Church. This is gonna be a tough series, I know it is. <laughs> it's a difficult obstacle to overcome, I know that. I've been part of it, I've been in it. But it can be overcome by the grace and the love and the help of our almighty God. There's nothing that our God can't do. Some of you know that firsthand, and offense, and hurt, and shame, and guilt, and bitterness, all that stuff is not too big for God to heal in your heart. If you allow it, our lives can be transformed through this in your personal life, in our church. Um, I have been seeking the Lord every day. I mean, and this is new to me. I've not pastored except for youth. They're different than adults. Some good ways, some not so good ways. But the biggest thing I've found for myself is I just want to seek the Lord every day of how to lead the best that he wants me to lead this church. And I feel like this is something that we needed to address, we needed to talk about, and I want to follow his leading. I know I can't do anything without him and just rely on his Holy Spirit as we go through this and hopefully, prayerfully, you guys will let God into those places and let him heal what's been broken in you. So as we get started this morning, I want to look at the disciples first, okay? The disciples saw the most amazing, powerful things, the miracles, healings, the lame walk, the blind see, withered hands healed. They saw all of this, and I... I can only imagine if I was one of the disciples, the apostles walking with Jesus, what I would have felt like as I walked with him. And I saw the power of the Holy Spirit in him and I saw him do all of these things. I can imagine that my faith would be through the roof. Like, oh my goodness, what's he gonna do today? And I can just imagine that every day that they walked with him, they saw new things, they saw how amazing it was, they saw how powerful things were, and to know that they had a firsthand account of it had to be a blessing. We get to be a part of this. They literally saw people raised from the dead. And they see all of these amazing things happen, but it wasn't all of this that pushed them into doubting or wondering, ooh, can I really do this? It was actually something that happened in the later part of Jesus' ministry when he looked at his disciples and he said this, Luke 17, verses three and four is where we're gonna start. So keep in mind, they've seen all these good things happen, they've seen the Lord, they've seen Jesus healing, doing miracles, all this kind of stuff, and as he talks to them about this, this is when they start Maybe not doubting who he was, but can we do this? Is, is this for us? So Luke 17, 3, 4, it says, If your brother sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive them. That's not me. That's the Bible. So if someone messes up, someone hurts you so bad, someone just 
crushes you, and they return to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive them. Does it always work that way? No. Sometimes they don't come and repent, and a lot of times we don't forgive. We say we do. Oh, I forgive, I'm just never going to forget. I just question whether we're really forgiving. Okay? So watch how they respond to him saying this. The very next verse. Okay, they've been with him through all of this. They've seen the great things that he's done. He says this to him about seven times in a day, returns to you and repent, you shall forgive them. They say this, increase our faith. We're not where we thought we needed to be because you just asked us to do something that I'm not sure we can do. Increase our faith. After they've seen everything that Jesus has done, you need to forgive someone seven times in a day. Forgive them. They said, you're going to have to increase our faith. I know we've seen all this stuff, and I know who you are. We know who you are. We know that you're raising people from the dead and healing people, but this, we need some more faith for that, Jesus. That's amazing to think about. It wasn't the miracles. It wasn't the healings, the resurrections that made them want their faith to increase. It was the simple fact that he said, forgive your brother when he sins against you multiple times. I need more faith. When he said that, they're, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can follow you now. Because that's a tough thing to do, Jesus. When somebody wrongs you to forgive them that multiple times in one day, I think I'd rather hold on to a grudge for a little bit and let them know how I really feel. <laughs> 2021. Could these words be even more important now than the world that we're living in. I believe that they're needed now more than ever, and we need to apply this scripture, these words from Jesus to our daily walk with him. Daily. With all this going on in the world today, how many of you guys believe that we are living in the last days? Now, I've heard this since I was a kid, but more and more things have lined up, more and more prophecies have come to pass. I'm expecting any time. Gone. I believe it's, it's, it's coming quickly. He said we'd recognize the season, but we wouldn't know the day or the hour. And he told his disciples as he taught them the many things that, that were going to happen before his second coming, signs that we are in the end times. One of those is found in Matthew 24.10 is where we're going to go next. Signs that we're in the end times and see if this resonates with 2021. Matthew 24, verse 10 says, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. That's happening. And many means a large amount or a majority. Jesus was saying that many will be offended in the last days. And you know what? Many of us sitting in this room are part of the offended right now and we need the word of God to penetrate our hearts and expose that for what it is and heal what's been broken in us and what's been offended in us and that's why I've asked you throughout this series to have an open mind and an open heart because some of the stuff that's going to come out you're already probably thinking about some of it is going to bring back hurts it's going to bring back pain but if you will allow God to do what God wants to do in that situation, he will touch and he will heal and he will mend and he will fix what was broken. So you will no longer walk around with the bitterness of offense. You will walk around free and in the freedom of Christ like he wants you to. We need the word of God to penetrate our hearts and let it change us. Again, in, in, in verse 10 there. It's a progression. Many are going to be offended, and then they're going to betray one another, and then they will hate one another. An offended person is eventually going to betray, and when betrayal is not dealt with, it can eventually lead to hatred. Let's go to Proverbs 18, verse 19. Quite a few scriptures this morning. Proverbs 18, 19. It's really quiet in here. So if you're there, say yes. yes. 
If you say, I'm waiting for it to be on the screen, say yes. <laughs> All right. Proverbs 18, 19 says, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So in Solomon's day, what made a city strong? The walls that were built for protection. That's what made it strong. And they would keep people out that, that, you got, that we thought were against us. They'd keep them out and even keep out the people that may have been for you. We build these walls up and keep everybody out away from us. Now, this is what, exactly what happens when we become offended. When we're hurt by someone or something, what's the first thing we do? All the way around. I'm hurt. It crushed me to my core. And now I'm going to put these walls up. We begin to build these walls. In the New Testament, we don't call these walls. Anybody know what we call them in the New Testament? Strongholds. I've built up and I've got these strongholds in my life now. I've got these walls that I've built up. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I want you to hear me this morning. We are not on a little playground here walking the earth. We are on a battleground. Every single day, the enemy is trying to take us out. He's trying to take our families out. And I know a lot of times we just, oh, it's just fun. It's life. It is what it is. And everything's happy, happy, happy. But we are, we should be in a daily battle with the enemy. And we're not just warring physically, per se. Our, war, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And strongholds, in other words, can be these arguments that we get into. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, our imaginations, our reasoning behind our thought process, we need to take those captive and make them obedient to Christ. So when I get on Facebook and I share my opinion, my thought process, this is the way it is, am I taking that thought process captive and making it obedient to Christ before I throw it out there? No, you're not. That was mean. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> Everything that we say, that we type, we process things and we put them in our mind and that's the way it's just got to be and we never think about, does it line up with the word of God? Am I, am I making this obedient to Christ? Am I taking every thought? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to be obedient to the word and I'm going to bring this to Christ and make sure it lines up with him. to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It can't be just the way you process things or the way you think it should be or the way I'm just going to give my opinion because I'm allowed. You do have freedom of speech, but sometimes you don't need to use it. <laughs> Unless it lines up with the word of God. And you've taken that thought captive. Yes, I could go off on this person because they did this to me or they said this about me. But if I take that thought captive before I think about saying anything or think about writing anything down or typing anything out, then Christ will, his Holy Spirit will check me and say, don't do that, Rick. And I've done that. You know what I did when I did that? Yeah, I know what you think I should do or what I know I should do, God, but I'm just going to do my own thing here because I really got to let it out. I've been guilty of that. And we're told by the word of God to love one another and the love of God focuses on what? Giving, giving, giving. A person who's been offended starts building reasoning in their thought process and, and they think these things deep within their soul when they're offended. And the first thing they've reasoned in their minds is that I need to, instead of give, give, give now as a Christian, I need to protect, protect, protect. 
I need to put these walls up around me. I need to, now I've got these strongholds that are holding me captive because I've been offended and I couldn't let it go. I've got to protect myself and this, this roots itself down deep in our hearts. And as this happens, it makes a perfect candidate for betrayal. Many of us as Christians really don't, we don't really understand betrayal. And I say many because we think betrayal, we think extreme cases like, let me think, in the Bible, betrayal, extreme case, Judas. I ain't like that. We just go to extremes like, I, would, I wouldn't betray like that. He betrayed Jesus. But betrayal is really just this. When I seek my benefit or protection at the expense of one I have a relationship with. So if Sarah hurts me, not physically, I can take her. If she hurts me in some way, emotionally, whatever, mentally, she hurts me, I'm betraying her by protecting myself and sacrificing the relationship that I have with her. We do that all the time. We put up these walls and we sacrifice relationship with people that we're called to love, to give, give, give. Instead, we want to protect, protect, protect and get rid of that relationship. Betrayal is the ultimate abandonment of a relationship. Here's what happens in betrayal. The love of God in our hearts begins to grow what? Cold, dim, starts to go out. Why? Because we're not giving. We're not giving anymore. The love that he's poured into us is not going anywhere. So it starts to grow cold in us. You know why the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea? Because it only takes in. It doesn't give out. There's no life in there. It doesn't give out life. Nothing can live and sustain itself in a dead place. And the love of God gives, and we in turn are supposed to give that out to others. It's like a, it's a living water of life that flows out of us, that God's placed in us that should be going out. But if I have these walls built up, guess where it's staying? Right with me. And it's not affecting anybody else. So if I'm an offended Christian, that love of God coming in, I've got these walls up protecting myself now and that love begins to dry up inside of me because my walls are not letting it out and I grow cold and now I'm a perfect candidate for betrayal because I'm cutting myself off from that situation. I'm cutting myself off from that hurt. And when this happens, we abandon the relationships and if it's not dealt with, betrayal can even lead us to hatred. Now, I know nobody wants to admit that in here. I, I have never hated anyone. I'm a Christian. I know better. Or you'll say, well, I just, I can't say hate, I strongly dislike them. Youth group says that all the time. And again, we may not understand hatred. We, we want to take it to the extreme again and say it's, it's an extreme emotional anger or it's a frustration with someone or something. I would never hate someone, Rick. I just won't do it. We're not supposed to do that as Christians. We're not supposed to do a lot of things as Christians, but. That was extra, sorry. 1 John 3, 15. I feel like I'm, nope, I'll just keep being obedient, Lord. I feel like I need to let up a little, but I'm not going to. 1 John 3, 15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, some of you guys say, are still saying, I don't, I don't hate. I'm not a murderer. I don't hate. Hate in the Greek is the word meseo. And that literally means to love less. Anybody love less the people that have offended you or hurt you? Yep. Guilty. So in other words, when a person hates or loves less, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're angry with someone. We can be angry and still really love and care about someone. When we hate, it means we have no left at all in our we have no love left at all in our hearts for that person. I'm gonna love you less. Just don't want to deal with you. And a betrayal can lead to hatred. And as John says, you're a murderer when you get to this level of offense and you have no eternal life abiding in you. 
An offended heart is, is, is a breeding ground for deception. When we're offended, here's the scary thing. When we get offended, again, I've been there, you've been there, we've all been there. We can still get up here and preach behind a pulpit. We can still get up here and lead worship. We can still teach Sunday school classes. We can still teach in OC kids and help with the kids. We can still come to church. Yet we have this bitterness of offense inside of us the whole time. Now, do you really think that God can work everything that he wants to work through you when that's still inside of you? Mm-mm. No, no, no. Um, we should be releasing the rivers of living water out of us. But with this offended heart, we're releasing waters of bitterness. And we can't lead well with this going on inside of us. Some people get up here or worshiping and everything and can fake their way through it. God won't bless that. I don't think God's going to honor that. Bitterness because of offense. I believe personally in my heart that the greatest move of the Holy Spirit has yet to come. That God is building an army and his Holy Spirit is going to rain down, pour out more than we have ever seen or heard about, ever. Now, while that's happening, and I want to be a part of that, I want to see the signs and wonders and miracles and healings and salvations. And I want to walk into this place and just, wow. That it's that thick when you walk in the room. But I also know at the same time, the enemy is raising up an army as well. And in this army that the enemy is raising up will be some Christians who now unknowingly have been trapped or took the bait of offense and are releasing negativity instead of the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Because we can't let go of the hurt. Because we've been offended. And as we work through the sermon series, I just wanted to kind of lay some groundwork this week of where we're at, what we're looking at, how we're going to go, how we're going to get through this. But as we work through this, my prayer is that we all would be free from offense. And we would not take the bait that Satan throws in front of us through offense. You know, as he walked through earlier, it was kind of lighthearted and funny, but that happens so many times throughout a day that the enemy will throw something out there to you um, or, you know, th- throw out this offense and you grab a hold of it and, and you're hooked deep. And I'm praying that you will allow God, I've got stuff. I told Sarah, I've got stuff that I need to get over and be free from. Things that rocked me to my core and made me want to give up on ministry. That I know to operate in everything that God would like me to operate in, I've got to let those things go. And not let those thoughts ring in my head all the time. For praise team will come up. I asked you guys a couple times this morning to have an open heart, to have an open mind over the next few weeks that we talk about this. And some of you I know, as as we're already talking about offense, we're already already talking about past hurts and things and struggles that we went through, it's already right at the front of your mind. And for those of you that you know it's there, I just pray over the next several weeks that you let God reveal those things, bring those into the light, and let him heal. I'd even go so far to say that if someone has hurt you, that God would pour so much love in you that you're going to be able to go to that person before we're through with this sermon series and make amends. That the power of the Holy Spirit will allow that to happen. And whoever it is, 
Whether they receive it or they don't receive it, it's more about the freedom that you're going to experience in your heart. So if you'll stand this morning. I guess my altar call for for this message is if nothing else, that you'd come forward, find a place at the altar and just say, God, I want my heart to be open. I want my mind to be open to you over these next several weeks. And whatever there is in me, Father, that's bitter, that's angry, that's resentful, whatever that is, reveal it to me. Open up my heart, open up my mind, reveal those things to me. And Lord, show me what you want to do in those situations. So I'll open up the altars for that, just for an open mind and open heart, that you would not sit back with this grudge or this resentment and hold on to it. Pray for God to let you be able to release this over the next several weeks, that you release it this morning. If you already know without a doubt what it is, let it go. Leave it at his feet this morning. But if you need him to reveal those things, then come down and pray just for a heart and a mind that will be open to what God wants to do in you. And we'll also have the altars open for prayer if anybody needs prayer for anything. I'm a firm believer that every time we meet together and we call in the name of the Lord that his Holy Spirit wants to manifest and move and do things in people. So I will pray with whoever wants to pray if you need something from the Lord and I'll believe with you that he will move on that. So as they sing and worship, Father, I just pray right now for hearts to respond. And God, if nothing else, maybe they don't know, Father, but I pray that they'd come to the altar just for a heart that says, I want to be open to you, God. For a mind that says, Father, take my thoughts. Help me take every thought captive and be obedient to Christ. And Father, if there's anybody that needs healing in their body, in their mind, needs you, Father, salvation, they've not called on the name of the Lord to be saved. And they don't have that hope that we're speaking about today. Father, I pray they come and respond to your Holy Spirit tugging at their heart. We just thank you for what you're about to do, Father. We thank you for your word today. Lord, I know it's challenging. But Father, life gets hard sometimes and we go through things that are tough. And I love that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, God. Remind people of that this morning as we pray and we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.
still stay.